Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and as we prepare to to hear a message from your holy scriptures, I pray that we would have the, the desire that that song set forth, that we would desperately want to have you, that we would be asking God that you would just give us Jesus and that you would give us the the truth that only comes from knowing you. I pray that you would not help us become better people, but instead that you would transform our hearts and create us as new people with new desires and new lives that would be pointed toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This part of our worship service is where we have the the opportunity to hear a message from God's Holy Scriptures, the Bible. And it's a time where we open up our hearts and our minds to, to be transformed by the living Word of God. And it's not just a book or just words, but these are words that have been inspired by the Holy God. And through working with His Holy Spirit, He speaks truth to us today. Even, even though these were written thousands of years ago, God's truth is timeless. And so today I hope that as we look at uh, continue along the resurrection series, my hope is that we will have a, a better understanding of what the resurrection means as far as our hope for heaven, the hope that we have of heaven one day. And last week we, we looked at the hope or, or the resurrection brings reconciliation. We concentrated on two parts. The first one was that the resurrection gives us reconciliation with us and God. Where there was hostility and separation because of sin, the resurrection of Jesus Christ tore that veil that separated us. And so we are now reconciled with God in Christ. The second thing that often gets overlooked is that we also have been brought reconciliation with one another. Because of what Christ has done through that resurrection, we can now have peace and harmony And we talked about how it crossed every barrier and every type of division that we as humans have tried to raise up, whether it be social, class, or or economical situations, or, or racial differences, whatever it might be, Christ supersedes all of those, and in Christ there is one body that has been reconciled to one God, and it is a beautifully diverse body. We look different. And we sound different. And those differences bring wonderful diversity to the body of Christ. But don't forget, there is one body. What we didn't talk about last week was something we're going to express a little bit more this week or or hit on this week is the reconciliation that God will bring to creation through the resurrection. The cosmos. The cosmos is the word theologically that is used for all of creation, whether it be the stars, the the moon, the earth, the trees, the the rocks, whatever it may be, but all that God has created. Today we're talking about this, and we're also talking about the hope of heaven that God is bringing for all those who believe in Christ. Far too many times people think of heaven as this far-off place, and we even sang the words earlier in uh, to, to take us above, and we think, well, heaven must be way up there in the clouds somewhere, and God's going to take us off one day to sit on the clouds and play harps. 
And that's wrong for several reasons. Number one, if it's up for us here in the northern hemisphere, then the southern hemisphere, it would be down for them. So that doesn't work. Another reason is we've been to outer space and we've seen that heaven's not there. But the biggest reason is that that's not what the scriptures teach. (laughs) It's not where heaven is. Heaven is not up there in the clouds. Heaven and earth, since creation, God has designed to somehow be interlocking spheres. Somehow, mysteriously, God has created this world and heaven to work together. In creation, we saw that God created man. And he created man in his image. And after he did all of the creation, he saw he created his crown of achievement, mankind. But we saw something interesting in the Garden of Eden. If you go back to Genesis 1, you see where God was walking among them, and it wasn't weird. And he was also able to possibly, or not possibly, he was also able to somehow be out of their presence to where they were alone for a while. And then when they ate from the forbidden tree, they feared because they heard him coming. And so somehow God has designed for heaven and earth to somehow be working together. The world that God had created in the beginning was inhabited by the Creator. So heaven, I would like a definition for us to move forward. Heaven is this. It is God's space. That means where, he- where God is. It is where God is. So it's God's space where his peace and his justice rules and reigns. Heaven is God's space where his peace and his justice is ruling, has authority, and reigns. The Apostle Paul gives us many doctrinal applications in his letters, and that is a way of saying he tells us what to do with what God has taught us, how to apply it to our lives. And we see glimpses in his writings all over from, or not not all over, but we see glimpses in his writings of what heaven will be like. And I want us to look together in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 10. He says, In him... We have redemption through His blood. And he's speaking of Christ here. So in Christ we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose. His purpose. Which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him. What do you mean all things? All things here on earth or all things here in heaven? Or there in heaven? Good question. He says things in heaven and things on earth. We see that this has been God's plan. God did not create humans in order to destroy them. His intention in His creation was to create them in His image. And we see that His ultimate act of self-sacrifice was when He gave His own Son as the supreme sacrifice to redeem and to heal mankind. And His plan since the beginning has been to have this created world that He began, have it filled with this presence 
and to be filled with His glory. And Jesus is the way that He is bringing His kingdom to be established on earth. But like mankind, we also see this in creation, the cosmos, what God had created. We see that after everything God created, it is written this, God saw that it was good. He created this, God saw that it was good. He created that, God saw that it was good. I remember we first moved to upstate New York. I was a pastor in 2007 at a small church in a quaint little town up there. And we were looking for a house, and there was a a house that the church owned right next to the church building. And they had plans, they had told us, to bulldoze it, to knock it down because it had just been dilapidated and run down. We looked for a house, couldn't find one, and it, the vision hit me. I think God wants us to restore that house. Instead of spending $120,000 on a fixer-upper, we had price shock when we moved uh, from the south to New York as far as how much things cost. Instead of doing all that, maybe we could just put in you know, twenty or 30000 to this house and you know, do a smaller loan, and everybody wins. So I went to the church, and I, I gave this proposal, and the guy in the back who's the patriarch of the church, he raised his hand, it was the business meeting, and I was a brand new pastor at this point, so I was intimidated by everyone. And he raised his hand, especially him, and he said, well, uh, pastor, I I have a problem with that. Okay. I think the church should pay for all the renovations. I was like, I won't argue with you. So this vision God had given me to restore this house, instead of bulldozing it, was grasped and adopted by them, and we remodeled this home. And it didn't just remodel what was there, but we even put an addition onto the back of it. So instead of tearing it down and just discarding it off, what we did is redeem it. We brought healing, and in a much greater way, much greater way, in a miraculous way, God is not going to bulldoze this earth that he has created, but he's going to heal it. He's going to redeem it. He's going to make it right again. And the creation, according to the Apostle Paul, is longing and yearning for this day. Look with me in Romans chapter 8, verse 18 and following. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And this is important too when we think about the the bodily resurrection of Christ. A few weeks we talked about this, that we're not going to be resurrected as spirits just floating around somewhere, but these physical bodies are going to be redeemed and physically resurrected. The redemption of our bodies, in verse 24, for in this hope we are saved. 
Now, hope that is seen is not hope. I mean, if you see something, you don't have to hope for something. It's there. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. As Christians, we yearn for the day when God comes and he heals our bodies, when death is ultimately and finally defeated once and for all, for all of us. And we see that creation is also waiting for that day with us. Resurrected in the final glory of God. We will see that this world will be set free from the corruption of death. And this world will obtain the freedom of the glory of the, of the children of God. God isn't going to send a fire to destroy this earth. You may be thinking of a verse in Second Peter where it talks about this. But what God will do is He will send a fire that will purge this world. Much like in a metalwork where we have precious stones where we put these, this gold to the fire in order to bring out the impurities of this metal. It brings it to the top so it can be scraped off in the same way God is going to do the same thing. And it's going to purge this world from evil. And it will be purified as God originally created it. There will be nothing left except that which is pure and good and holy. That sounds like a good heaven to me. And it will become part of the city of God. You ever noticed, I, didn't, I noticed this in a study we did, if you were in the men's group, you probably remember this. The women's group just completed this. A study called Gospel in Life. It was a book written by Tim Keller. And he talked about how originally God created mankind in a garden. And so we see this. But now when we see a picture of heaven, we see not a garden. We don't return back to a garden, but we see a great city. And so what is going to happen when we experience and enter into God's heaven in fullness is we're going to see the completion of what God wanted to do through the first Adam, but only through the work of the second Adam, Jesus, was this able to be accomplished. Look with me in Revelation 21, verses 1 and following. This is John, the Apostle John, who, who wrote this. And he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. You ready for this next verse? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Won't that be a wonderful time when we experience? This is the hope of heaven, that we will be fully with God. Like the song we sang, Give Me Jesus. We will be with Him. And He is enough. But there is much more. 
So some facts that we can agree on, I hope, as Christians about heaven is that our bodies physically will be resurrected to a perfect state as God originally intended, as He originally created. Creation will also be healed, and this world will fulfill the vision of God and will be perfect in the glory of God. Heaven will be the dwelling place of God and His children. And there will be no more tears, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, and no more pain. No more frigid winters. Mm. Lots of more scriptures, or many more scriptures we could, we could look at in regarding to, to heaven, but in order to keep us on a timely manner and to, um, I believe also, not just to stay in a timely manner, but to stay focused on where the Bible has us to be focused. I think it's dangerous when we try to make blueprints when God hasn't given us blueprints. He's given us more of a signpost. This is the direction that I'm taking the world, and I want you to follow me. And even if I could show you, where, you know, a picture of what it's going to be like, it's going to blow your mind. You ever taken a picture of this, something beautiful? I did this from the, the balcony of an apartment where it was a beautiful view of the city, and I took a picture of it, and I looked at it, and I was like, that's, that's not even close. It just doesn't compare. So when we see it, it's going to be enough. And, but Paul in, in 1 Thessalonians uh, tells them to encourage one another. He says, one day you are going to be with the Lord and this is enough. This is the hope of heaven. We're going to be fully with God. And the reason I say that is I want to warn us about how individuality tears apart the body of Christ. There are even ministries that focus on the end times, and that's their, their home run. And, and I, I want to encourage us to be a little cautious, or to be very cautious, about how we spend our time focusing on heaven. Many times we focus on heaven as a place that we're going to go one day. But this was never really God's, or Jesus' ministry's focus when He was walking this earth. Somehow we, even as Christians, have become so concerned with individual salvation and making this a choice. Well, you don't want to go to hell, do you? Well, say this prayer and you'll go to heaven. Well, unfortunately, that leads us to make very selfish decisions. It's just self-preservation if all I'm doing is trying not to go to hell. Am I really understanding God's plan for this world? Or am I making this too much about myself? God's plan is much bigger than me. Israel made this same mistake when they were looking for a Messiah. They were waiting. They said, God, you're going to give us the Messiah and you're going to save us from this world. And they missed what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come just to save Israel. He came to save the world through them. You see the difference? He didn't just come to save them individually but he came to redeem the entire cosmos, the entire world, through them. Now, are they saved through that for those who believe in Christ? Absolutely. But that's not the point. God is redeeming the world through them. He is the Messiah. He fulfilled all the prophecies, but he was different than their expectations. And I'm fearful that we do the same things today. God is doing much, much more than giving us this wonderful place to go one day. In fact, when Jesus 
taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. He says, pray this way. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as Christians, as those who are followers of Christ, we are to seek his peace and his justice to rule and to reign here on earth, not just to have a comfortable life and keep me comfortable, God, until one day I can go to heaven and be with you forever. But no, we're to seek his peace and his justice now, diligently. And if there's one thing Lent has taught me this season again, (laughs) is that it's got to start right in here first. It's so easy for me to look out and see problems in the world out there. But the main work of God has to start in our own heart. We have to be transformed and then have it start in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our relationships, in our local churches, in the body, the unified body of Christ and all the churches of the world. So how do we seek this? If this is what we're to do, we have the, the hope of heaven and we're to seek his peace and his rule to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. This is another letter Paul had written. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So let's stay there on that verse for a second. We need to first understand if we're going to be used by God to see His will be done here on earth, we have to become a new creation. We need to belong to Christ. And we learned, I think when we die with Christ in baptism, and we're raised to a newness of life, remember this? You ever lost your temper and just spit someone's head off? You don't raise your hand, it's okay. I know you have. So, you've done that, and then you feel really horrible about what you've done. You say, well, that must just be the old self coming out. That's the old Daniel. But theologically, that's incorrect. Because in Christ, in Christ, I'm a new creation now. That old Daniel is dead. I've identified with Christ in his death. So it's not that the old Daniel is trying to come out. It's just I'm not living up to what God has created to me, to me to be in the new Daniel. So God refers to us as being born from above, but again, not up there, but being born by the Spirit of God. To be born again as He breathes new life into us as a new creation. Verse 18, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That was last week. We talked about God of the resurrection brings reconciliation and that we are agents of reconciliation. We're to take this grace, this forgiveness that God has lavished on us, that he has poured upon us in great measure, and we're to spread it around the world like a wildfire generously pouring out grace in our relationships, in the lives of our neighbors, in the lives of our family members, experiencing the healing of relationships through the miracle of forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard, right? 
Sometimes people have done me wrong, and I'm like, there's no way in the world I'm going to forgive them. That was just flat out wrong. But you know why I can forgive them? Because I was flat out wrong when it came to my relationship with God. And he chose forgiveness. The more that takes root in my heart, the more this heart is softened by his grace, and the more of his heaven is experienced here on this earth. The more his will is done, the more reconciliation we see in this world. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That word ambassadors there, when, when Paul spoke others, he said, when I'm, when I'm speaking, you're able to hear God speaking through me. You're hearing His message come through me. So Paul was saying, yes, that he was speaking for God. Well, that's a little bit arrogant, don't you think? Well, let's think about this for a second. God was making His appeal through Paul, and He still does this today through His ministers of reconciliation for today. God still speaks through us. For some divine reason, God has chosen to use us as His ministers of reconciliation. He wants us to be those ministers. He wants us to go out and share this message. And guess what that message is? It's the same one. The message is this. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. So as the ambassador of Christ for this moment right now, as you're subjected to this teaching, I am encouraging you to be reconciled to God. This is His message for you today. And I implore you, But how do we become reconciled? He says it in the next verse. You know, I really want to be reconciled with God. I mean, if if He created creation the way it is and created us, I really want to be right with Him because I feel like He's got a plan and and God is the truth. And in verse 21, tells us how He's done that. He says, for our sake, He made Him, and He's referring to Jesus. God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin. He lived perfectly. He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. But God put all the sin of the world upon Him so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Because of the work that Jesus did, we are no longer caught in the cords of sin, but we have been freed and redeemed, and we have now become the righteousness of God through Christ. It would be extremely arrogant for Paul to say that he was worthy of his own accord to speak on behalf of God. But that's not what he was saying. If you just read that one verse, you may think he's arrogant. But he's not arrogant. He is boldly trusting in the truth of who Christ is. It would be boldly or extremely arrogant for me to claim that today. What have I done? I mean, my mom's here visiting this week. She knows all the stuff I grew up doing. I've been married 13 years. My wife knows my failures. My children know my failures. Who am I to speak for God? Who are you to speak for God? You know all your mistakes. So where do we get this power from? We get it from the gospel. Just like Paul got it from the gospel. Paul said this, in all his inadequacies, all of his inadequacies, all of his failures, all of his sin are dealt with in the death of Christ. And we say the same thing. Are we sinners? Absolutely. 
We've all failed. But we don't boast in our goodness. We boast in the work of Christ. That praise God, I deserve death for what I've done, but I'll never meet that death because of what He has done. The death that He has died. I have died to the old self and I have been raised new with Christ. Because of what He has done, I've been forgiven. Because of what Christ has done, I have been reconciled. I am now a child of God and now His Spirit lives within me. Amen? Fantastic news. Be reconciled to God. Trust in Christ. The same goes for all of those who trust in Him. You are worthy to be ambassadors of Christ because of His worthiness, not because of your own. But you have become His righteousness. His death paid for your sins and His resurrection vindicated His claim to have that power. When He rose from the tomb, all of His claims were vindicated by God. One of the cool things about Jesus is that He is where heaven and earth met. He's 100% God and He's 100% human. And now, because of what He has done, we, I think it was last week or the week before, we learned in, in brief the shortest Christian creed. It was an early Christian creed from the 1st to 2nd century. And here's the creed. Jesus died and rose again. Jesus died and rose again. If you want to say that with me, I'll give you one more chance. Ready? Here we go. Jesus died and rose again. Because of what has been done for Him, those who trust in Him, that happens for us too. Though we die, we shall be raised again. And we have this hope of heaven that is living within us. We are a new creation. We have been reconciled. And God has reconciled us for work to do here, now. Not to sit back and to just let the world go the way of the evil one. But to pray and to see His kingdom come and His will to be done here in our city, in our world, as it is in heaven. We hope for heaven because Jesus is coming back to rescue the entire cosmos and to heal this creation. Guess what? The bulldozer didn't come for the house upstate, and it's not coming for this world. Instead of the bulldozer coming to tear it down, the original architect and the builder is coming back to remodel, forget remodel, he's coming back to redeem it and to make it all brand new again. He's going to cleanse this world of all the impurities. He's going to send a fire that will purge all the evil. And there will be nothing left but pure, good, and holy things of God. And so the work we do today, we're not trying to build the kingdom of God, but we're building for the kingdom of God. Because of the hope of heaven, we have a powerful hope in Christ right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we are living today as a people of hope. If there is anyone in this world who can bring hope to any situation, it is those who are following Christ. Father, the hope of heaven should encourage us every day to know that Jesus is coming, that His peace, His justice, His rule will reign over all this world once again.
And right now you have given us the Holy Spirit to seek that peace and that justice in our world today. Encourage our hearts. Help us to live boldly and trust you for great things today. In Jesus' name, amen. This part of our worship service now is where we're going to stand and sing a song of response. It's a time for us to respond to the message we've heard, the message of this hope of heaven. A simple way to do that would be to stand and, and sing the song or just read it and, and reflect on what's being, uh, what's being sang, sung. Another way is to, uh, to come up front, and I'll be standing over to this side, and Winter Shuba standing over here, and maybe you need to pray with one of us. Or maybe you just want to come up and, and pray right here. Maybe you need to be reconciled to God today, and you're not really sure what that looks like. So come and talk to me or to Winter. We would love to help you experience reconciliation and the hope that comes from following Christ. So let's respond to God. Let's stand together.